How's everybody going? Just to introduce myself, my name's Dave. I'm a father of four. As just like Ian, three boys and a girl. So the eldest is 29, and the baby is 21. So uh, you know, I just want to. I just got one scripture for you, and uh, this is from Isaiah chapter 61. And verse 4, and it says this, And they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing the cities long ago destroyed. And they will revive them, though they have been empty for many generations. I just want to read that again and change one of the words. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing families long ago destroyed. They will revive them, though they have been empty for many generations. I just want to speak the next few minutes just talking to the heart of fathers. It's Father's Day, and that's what I want to do. Fathering is a vital, honourable, and essential part of the fabric of human society. Over the last few weeks, I've been uh, asking people for their opinion of fathers and to define in real simple terms to them what a good father is. So this is not my ideas, this is just different people that I've run into. The first one is he can communicate with his children. The second one is he hangs out with his children. The third, his children are able to talk to him about anything without fear. He is approachable, he is a friend. Even if his marriage breaks up, he will not desert his children. He is a loving man. He corrects, encourages, and he tells the truth, even about himself. He accepts his children's dreams, even if they are different from his own. I just want to read you a poem, and this poem is um, written by a guy called Nicholas Gordon, and it's entitled, A Father and a Dad are not the same. A father and a dad are not the same. One can be a dad and not a father, or one can be a father and not bother to earn the love, to earn through love a more endearing name. Some find fatherhood a bit tame, leaving all the details to the mother, or dumping the sweet burden on another man with just the passing twinge of shame. You have been our dad so many years that you have become the landscape of this home, the mountain that we look to from afar. No matter where we go, we're not alone. For you remain within to still our fears and be the word that tells us who we are. I love those words because in it you can see an element of resentment to start with. And then you can see the reconciliation come in with age. I can see that poem being written over a number of years, going through real life, becoming a father yourself. And I love that, uh, that last part of it. You have been our dad so many years that you have become the landscape of this home, the mountain that we look to from afar. No matter where we go, we're not alone. For you remain within to still our fears and be the word that tells us who we are. Being a father is not about age or a stage of life 
or a badge of authority. It's about connection, a heart-to-heart connection, a divine connection from the heart of God the Father, the Father. But an enemy has come to attack our society. Where does he attack? He attacks fatherhood. He attacks families. There's a statistic that I read. There are times in our Western society when 50% of children will be at some time in their childhood be without a father, live in a fatherless home. We're all scarred. We all make mistakes as fathers. We all fall short. But we must not let these scars define us or our children. So the question I've got for you, where does healing start? Where does healing start for our families, our broken society? I believe that... um, It starts with reconciling with our own fathers. Here's a statistic for you. I read an account of a respected family psychologist, and he made this observation. He said, I would estimate that 30% of men today do not speak to their father. 30% have a prickly, hostile, or difficult relationship. 30% go through the motions of being a good son and discuss nothing deeper than lawnmowers. Less than 10% of men are friends with their father and see him as a source of emotional support. One of the fun things I did was to, um, online and in in some um, material I've got, look up some stories about fathers trying to reconnect, um, sons trying to reconnect with their fathers. And so I'm going to read you uh, a few of those and then put in some of my own personal stories as we go. Um, This is the first one. This father and son have had little contact in recent years, and the son has been doing some thinking. When the father answers the phone, the son begins to try to tell him, Hi, Dad, it's me. Oh, hi. Hi, son. Wait a minute. I'll just go and get your mother. No. Don't get mum. It's you I want to talk to. There's a pause and then, why? Do you need money? No, I don't need any money. The young man starts on his somewhat rehearsed but vulnerable speech. I've just been remembering a lot about you, Dad, and the things you did for me, working all those years to put me through university, supporting us. My life is going well now, and it's because of what you did to get me started. I just thought about it and realized that I'd never said thank you. Silence on the other end of the phone. The son continues, I want to tell you thanks and that I love you. There's still silence on the other end of the phone. And then the father says, have you been drinking? (laughs) Um, A few years ago, um, my youngest son was um, doing an apprenticeship in Whangarei. And just randomly, he rang me up one day, and uh, he just spoke to me about a whole lot of random things. And he said to me, Dad, I've been in the smoker room and talking to the other guys. And he said to me, most of them don't even have a relationship with their dads. Most of them, their dad hasn't spent much time with them at all. And he said to me, Dad, I just want to thank you for all the time that you've spent with us when we were little all the holidays, the hikes, the bush and all that. And he said he just wanted to, just wanted to thank me for that and, and hung up the phone and I sort of you know, had a bit of a cry and, and just the, 
you know, just sort of hitting home and, and thinking about the way I'd treated my dad when I was young and the disrespect and all that. And, and then one of the funny things that happened was that Glennis went to a ladies' meeting and shared that with the ladies. And um, some of these ladies started crying because they wanted that for their sons. They wanted that relationship with their men, with their sons. And the funny thing was, I said to Glennis when I was preparing this, I said, do you remember that? She said, no, nah, I don't remember that at all. And you might think that's weird, but I thought, you know, these things impact men, you know, more than anything. One of the research papers I read said that men will wait all their lives to have a response from their children because when they die, the thing that's going to make them valued as a human being is how their children responded to them, how they, what their children thought of them. Men can do humongously awesome things all their lives, but the thing that will define them is what impression their children had of them. I think that's, you know, that's a statistical psychologist. That, that's a thing that you know, has been accumulated through years of knowledge. I thought that was interesting. Another story is a father and son. Um, the boy is about nine years old, and he's remembering back to when his father and him did a paper round. They went round the community doing this paper round. They spent two hours together every day delivering papers. And the boy loved it, just the time with his dad and just in a, in a sort of a man's world doing a, an important job. That's the way the son looked at it. And then the, the paper round came up for sale. And uh, the father had an opportunity to buy into the paper round, and he didn't. He just let it go. And so what happened with the son no longer spending time with his dad. He was devastated. And for years, that son had bitterness towards his father because of that. And then eventually, the son had the guts to go to the father and say, hey, look, all those years ago, we spent that awesome time together. I just loved it. And then you didn't take that opportunity to buy that. And why didn't you do that? And the father just said to him, the other partner was a gambler. If I'd got involved in that, that, that business would have gone down the tubes. And so with a simple answer, just because they communicated, the son would realize it wasn't because his dad didn't love him. It was because a simple business decision that the father made to protect his own family. I thought that was, that was very interesting. I remember when I was young, um, you know, my father had his own business, self-employed in Auckland. And I can remember times when I was younger when I never saw my dad for weeks on end because he'd leave in the morning before I got up, and then when I was in bed, he'd come home, so I never saw him. And, and I sort of held that against him in a funny sort of way. And it wasn't until I had children my own, of my own, and I was fighting to provide for them, and uh, you know, working hard, that I realized the, the life balance that a husband faces, on the one hand, wanting to spend time, and the other hand, needing to provide. And that juggling act that is real life, and I think for myself, um, you know, I look back at my own father and saw him in a completely different light as I became a father and walked through those responsibilities myself. There was a son, another story I found, there was a son who um, had a father who would never face big issues. Whenever the issues come up, the father would gap it out of the house and just not even be around to make those big decisions. And so when the son left home, he just ditched dad. Couldn't be bothered with dad any longer. Just dad wouldn't talk to him. This went on for years. And then eventually the father was in hospital dying of cancer. 
And so the son said, you know, I've got to make my peace. So he went into the hospital room, shut the door behind him and said, right, now I've got you. Now we're going to talk this out. So he attacked his dad, tore into him, told him all the things he hated about him, all the things that he'd missed out on. And then as he cooled down, he started to realize there was some good things about dad. And he said to dad, you know, you did this, you did that. And at the end, um, after a period of time, they were both, the son was sitting on the bed and they were holding hands. And just that, that power of reconciliation. Glennis and I knew a man um, and visited him quite regularly called Ron. Uh, he was a shearer and a fencer. Um, he was an alcoholic. Um, he came to have a relationship um, with his creator, but um, fought the alcohol till he died. He said to me, um, Dave, I've worked hard all my life, shearing, fencing. But he said, I gave all my time to that, and I ignored my wife, ignored my son, and now they're gone. Now they're gone. And he said to me, Dave, if I had my time again, and this is just relating to what I said before, that a man will go all his life and judge his life at the end, looking at himself on how it was related to his children. To my, my knowledge, he died alone as an alcoholic. Um, but, you know, he, he had a relationship with his creator, but I don't think he ever reconciled with his, with his son. I find that um, tremendously devastating. Another son I, I read about uh, took his dad to, the, uh, to an isolated beach, um, put the keys in his pocket and refused to take his dad home until he talked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only comment the guy made was that his dad came out of it quite well. <laughs> I thought that, that was a good one. Not all fathers and their children have great huge issues between them. But if there is, there is a responsibility to reconcile. All my stories involve sons, but daughters are equally responsible. Knowledge brings responsibility. Don't stay bitter. I think this is an interesting point that... Um, I think the thing that fascinates me with relationship between parents and children is that responsibilities shift. When they're little, the parents have the responsibility. When they're really old, the responsibility shifts to the children. So just because you're a child and you've had a messed up old man who's uh, done all sorts of things that are terrible, you know, you've got you to gotta settle it because it will, it will take you out. It will do something to you. It will affect the way you relate to your own children. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that in, for everybody, but, you know, that's a, that's a pretty important point. The aim is not to get even, but to achieve a resolution that is real and complete to heal you both. Don't give up. Stay clear-headed. Ask to know everything. Prepare to be surprised. Sometimes reconciling may not be possible, but for men, I think it is vital to talk the issues you've had with your father out with mature men. That is a vital, a vital thing. You know, you can't hide these and keep these things to yourself. I remember talking to um, my daughter about, uh, you know, dads keep things inside. And for me, um, going through the years when my children were coming up, eight, nine, ten, was a huge financial struggle. We farmed, um, the beef schedule was down, the budgets didn't work. It's just crazy. At times, we couldn't put fuel in the car. I never told my kids that. They never knew um, the struggles we'd had. And uh, so one day I was talking to Rachel about something, I don't know what it was, and I told her. And she said to me, Dad, why didn't you tell us that? And well, dads just don't do that. You know, just 
don't do that. And so it affected her in the way she felt. I mean, Dad, you need to slow down. Don't work so hard. You know, I need to take on some of the responsibilities and do this and that. And I've heard of other fathers talking about that um, that I know. Um, that's, that's the thing that's so awesome. When she did that, you know, and drew that out of me, just like my son phoning me up and, and telling me how much he appreciated me. It's a powerful it's a powerful thing. Maybe you're like me and your father passed away years ago. My dad died in 1986. I can remember spending the last week of his life nursing him um, in my parents' home in Auckland as he died of cancer and uh, pumping morphine into him. Couldn't talk at this stage, um, just dying. And uh, I said to him, um, Dad, you're a, good, you're a good dad. I love you. But looking back on that now, it was quite shallow. And I don't really, you know, maybe I said it just out of, you know, I felt like I had to say something to the old guy because I've been a very disrespectful son, um, left home very young. Um, and I was talking to one of my boys the other day, and it's years you can't get back. It's a crazy way to look at it. But even if dad has passed like me, you need to make your peace. You need to make your peace. Maybe you could write him a letter like he's still alive. Maybe you could visit his grave. Maybe you could talk to people who knew him. I was um, born into my father's second marriage. Uh, he was my age. He was 55 when I was born. Um, so the big age disparity. So I had cousins that were 20 years older than me. Uh, at a family reunion, um, one of my cousins started talking about my dad because he did his, his apprenticeship as a cabinet maker under my dad in my dad's factory in Auckland. And he told me stories about my dad that I'd never heard before. And it was just so, it was just like reaching through time and grabbing my dad and hanging on. And he told me a story about, he's this young apprentice and the, and the guys were all making these cabinets like this. And they grabbed this young apprentice, shoved him in the thing and locked the door. And then along comes, um, you know, Mr. Ramsey, the boss, to inspect their work. And he goes through, unlocks all these doors. Whoa, whoa, what are you doing in there, Martin? You know, there's his, his little um, nephew in this thing. And that story, another one told me a story about Uncle Keck teaching him how to drive. And never heard that before. Just an endearing thing, talking to people of, of his generation. Um, yeah. Yes, whatever you do, make peace. Make peace. Become healed and then take that healing to other people. Take that healing to other men. Let me leave you with this. Maybe the key to reconciling with our fathers and our children is more a case of reconciling with our creator. To me, being a father, a real father, is a calling. It's a gift given, given to us by God the Father. And here's the thing. This is the way I see it. This is the way I see about, about being a father, about being a good father. You know, God is the Father, and we, have, we all have misconceptions about what his nature is. What is the, the virtues and nature of God? And he gives this gift of being a father to anybody who sees its value, regardless of their belief system. Regardless, you can have men that would never come into a church Men that would never say they believe in Jesus have any faith at all and yet be good dads. And that gift comes from him. What does that say about his nature? What does that say about the way 
the creator, the father of all, wants to communicate and relate to each one of us. What is that? Just think about that. Just think about that. Maybe God has been misrepresented to us. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to just share about being a dad. I pray for all the dads here. Even if, um, you know, things haven't gone perfect and none of us are perfect dads and we all make huge mistakes, but I thank you, Father, that I know there's, there's forgiveness there, there's healing there. And Father, I just pray for courage. I pray courage upon each dad. I pray courage upon each son and each daughter to, to reconcile to bring peace, and most of all, to have a real um, connection with you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for your listening ears.